And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we're back. Another episode of Startup Hustle. Matt DeCourcy here with Matt Watson. Hi, Matt. Hey, what's going on, man? You know, I'm trying to figure out how, as my co-host, I can be more engaged with you. And I really want a way to be able to review your performance here on the podcast, but I'm struggling to do that. And even though today's episode is brought to you by Fullscale.io and help, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably, that's not the business that they're in or we're in. So due to this lack of engagement that I have with you, I had to bring in an expert. So with us, with us today, we've got Sri Chalapa, who is the co-founder and president of Engagedly and also on Startup Hustle's list of top St. Louis startups. Sri, what's up? Hey, man, it's uh, another day in the quarantine zone, but, you know. <laughs> Q time. <laughs> yeah. yeah, another day in paradise. You, I can't tell so if it's I, Sunday I, or Monday I, or Tuesday. That's, that, the struggle's real there. Now, do you think you can help me get a better sense of engagement with my coworker here on the podcast with your platform? Uh, yeah, well, the culture starts at the top, so we can give you the platform, but I can't promise it'll solve all your problems. If you uh, have any- I, I'm willing to accept that. I'm willing to accept so, that. So. so we blame the CEO for everything? Yes, he should. Okay. He should. Who's Problem the CEO solved. of the podcast? You. Oh, man. I didn't even know. Do I get paid now? Nope. CEO's oh. never get paid. No. Weak. This whole founder startup thing's really starting to get old, especially after. I, I thought I'd been getting paid 350 episodes later. Well, uh, anyway, Shri, you guys have a bit, you're, as the founder of Engagedly, uh, you guys have seen a lot of growth and I'm really looking forward to hearing more about what you do. We, Matt and I are both fans of anything that helps uh, companies, leaders and managers get in, keep in touch with their employees. We have a couple hundred employees that are worldwide, so we know that the struggle is real with that. But why don't we go ahead and start this episode with your backstory about you and how you came to being involved in the founding team and engagedly, and more importantly, the problem you're solving. Yeah, absolutely. So my background, uh, well, I might belie my age, but um, <laughs> I've been I've been in consulting uh, for most of my career. You know, first with EY and then Capgemini, and then I did a consulting startup, uh, and that was about 18 years in total. Uh, so one of the things that you realize when you are a consultant and you're working with these large, you know, Fortune 1000 type companies and traveling all the time, is the level of uh, engagement or disengagement at these organizations. So you really learn a lot about how organizations fun function and how different cultures behave differently. So, you know, I saw the good and the bad. Uh, so when I left the uh, consulting world, you know, me and my, my, my partner, Jay, you know, we had this idea for building an employee engagement um, platform, which was really his idea, but I was like, yeah, I can see that. You know, I've seen 
organizations where I was a consultant, but I would never want to work there, you know, because it was like very, you know, uh, toxic culture or a lot of nepotism or things uh, where people, you know, there's a lot of blame, uh, to, you know, finger pointing, stuff like that. So we, I, I thought maybe this approach to building a platform to support organizations that actually want to move away from their culture is what we can do. So we built a, a basically a platform to help people connect together as communities. Because if you think about it, you spend most of your waking hours at work. You probably spend more time with people at work than you do with your better half, yeah. right? Or even with your kids. So why does that need to be a chore? It needs to be a place where you find fulfillment. Um, so that's the whole premise of the engagement. Uh, Engagely is to allow people to connect with each other and build cultures that really enable people to find fulfillment at work. Um, so that's the, the premise behind the platform and, and we are obviously continue to evolve around that theme. So it, give us a little more detail about you know, it's it, when we say increasing employee engagement, what are some things that Engagedly does to really step that up a notch? Yeah, so if you, I'm going to back up a little bit. So if you look at what causes disengagement, right? If you look at the problem statement, what causes disengagement? It's when you're, you don't know what the leadership wants, right? So you have a disconnect between the leadership's goal and their approach and their communication between, and then what you're doing. You don't know how you as a spoke fit within the bigger wheel. Um, it happens because you don't get recognized uh, at, for your good work. So you feel like you're being overlooked or you have you know, issues where you, you are working all year long and you get a review and you're told these things that you didn't do well, but you're like, I had no idea I was not doing well, you know? So then, and then, you don't accept it, you, you then you fight it, right? Because your first reaction is to be defensive on things like that. And that those things all cause engagement. So what our platform really does is to address those fundamental issues, right? Which is creating transparency across the board from top to the bottom. People all the way across the organization need to be aware and connected to what the organization's missions, mission and values are, what their objectives are, what their strategy is. Because without that, you know, you're just, you feel like you just don't matter. You're just being told what to do. You don't want to be told what to do. You want to feel that you have a, um, a investment, a personal investment in making this organization more successful. And you can see how your work impacts that success. So we have, you know, different tools to allow for transparency, communication, building culture, collaboration tools, you know, setting goals, making your goals transparent being able to give and, re and receive uh, transparent feedback. You know, the one, one thing that's very important is people are afraid to give and receive feedback, but you cannot improve as an individual and as an organization or as a team unless you're open to that uh, because you really want the best ideas to win and not the best job title to win. So how do, how do companies normally solve these problems? Say 10 years ago, 20 years ago, you're a big company, you got thousands of employees, how did they solve these sort of problems before? Well, it's really the culture starts at the top, right? So when you have a good culture, you know, you can do that in localized settings, right? So if you have an office in St. Louis or Kansas City or, you know, London or wherever they are, right? You can have those cultures within those offices, do that. And then you have, 
emails and conference calls where you can do that. But with the digital power that we have now from what we did even 10 years ago with you know things like these like or Zoom or, or uh, collaboration platforms, you can make, make that go at scale. Um, so previously, I think the way it was solved is with the transparency, but it's, the information still had to trickle down layer by layer. And some organizations were really good at it. You know, companies like Southwest comes to my mind. And some organizations were not, you know, like GE comes to my mind for that, for example, you know, where they had this culture of, uh, you know, Jackwell's culture of, you know, cutting off the, the bottom, bottom 10%, uh, which creates unnecessary competitiveness, builds uh, unnecessary empire building, you know, ventures within the organization. Um, you really want to avoid all that. And that's really up to the culture, right? And now we just give you tools to really propagate that culture uh, in more in a more scalable fashion. So I, I've actually experienced this. I used to manage a chain of retail stores like ages ago, and we had 15 locations. And sometimes, you know, I'd, I'd go out and I'd hit the road about once a week, uh, one week a month. And I'd go to one location and it was like they had a, it was like almost like, and then go to the next, it was like two different businesses with two completely different missions, two completely different cultures. And that was a challenge for us because this was, I mean, long before, and you talk about putting your own, a stamp on your own age. And this was a long time ago. And it was before, you know, inter, internet and email was, I mean, I don't want to say it was a new thing, but it wasn't as common. There weren't platforms like Engagedly and stuff like that. We had a very difficult time. You know, that's when you used to get the, like a memo or like a fax or something like that. And like, hey, here's the agenda that we want to push. But you would sometimes have leaders or whoever was delivering that message. Maybe they would omit certain parts of it or they just weren't good at actually expressing the company's mission. Uh, we also had the same kind of issue that you talk about where some people would be to the point where they would um, be getting released from employment and they would say, be like, I didn't even realize I wasn't doing well. Yeah. And, you know, it really caused a lot of problems. I mean, Matt, have you run into that before? Cause you know, it, it, I think the bigger your company gets and the more locations it has, it becomes exponentially harder to bridge the gap with this communication. And like, it, it could be a rapidly growing company. Now, Matt, you Vin Solutions at one point grew to hundreds of employees really quickly. I remember you making a comment once when you really realized how big the company was getting because you would ride up the elevator to your office and people would be like, hey, and you're like, I don't even know who you are. Yeah. Well, I, I think communication is super important in larger companies. It's a lot easier when you've got you know five people in a room and you all talk to each other or whatever. Even then, communication is is hard if you don't have the right type of communication. But it definitely gets way more difficult the bigger you get. And, um, you know, at Stackify, we had a lot of challenges at some times where uh, certain employees, like you mentioned earlier, were asking, like, they wanted more communication about how was the company doing? How is the company performing? You know, that kind of communication as well. But I think the biggest struggle is, you know, you hire people and some people just do an amazing job. And like, you don't even have to almost tell them what to do. They're just awesome and never have any problem. And then there's the other probably, I don't know if it's 80% of employees or 50%. I don't know what it is that you've got to talk to on a weekly basis. And they're good at this, but they're not so good at that. And you got to constantly remind them to do this and train them and try and push them to be better and remind them that they suck at this thing and they still aren't doing it. It's like having a kid. This kind of sounds like having kids. Um, and it seems like that's more of the norm. I'd, I'd love to hear your guys' 
theory on that. Yeah, uh, that's right. And the thing is, it's even worse in this virtual environment. So now you don't even get to see that person. Yeah. And you have to have physically pick up the phone uh, or get on a conference call and have that discussion. But it's not what I would call a uh, a discussion that you have on, on, a, on a flight. You got to plan for that discussion because that person may be in a meeting or you don't even know that person is available. So that it gets even worse. So having a technology tool to have those you know, uh, options to communicate virtually uh, is, I think, where uh, the, the really the organizations are moving to, and they need to move move to that move to that area. I, I, I like that we stopped about like what does the platform do, and it will first off that I mean you clearly have to define the objectives and the goals. Like, and uh, I I've sometimes say that you know not defining your goals up front is like shooting baskets in the dark. You know, like you don't no one knows. Like eventually one might go in, but it was that was not not the common you know, thing. And I think people do, you know, I'll quote Watson. He says, everyone just wants to know if we're winning. And, you know, Matt, you've said that a lot since I've known you and it's true, but what, but what is winning? What is winning? What is success? And and winning is a different thing for people at different levels. Like winning for an employee compared to winning for the CEO or founder can be two completely different things. So do do you, do you also define things on like a multi-level basis? Like, cause management goals and employee goals, like well, they, they might want different things. So they, and they, while they should be aligned in moving towards a universal goal, they, there are different things. So it, are there different tiers in there or? Well, I, I don't necessarily agree that they are different things. They are, they are aligned together in the same direction, right? For example, uh, so yes, our platform does have uh, a goal setting uh module where you can set goals as an organization that's visible to everybody within the organization, regardless of where you are. You can not only see that goal, you can actually see real-time progress towards that goal. So you can actually see that dial moving uh, because the management is updating it or the manage or the managers are updating it. And then you go a level below that, right? The, then the executives and the managers, everybody sets their goals that align that, right? So for example, if your goal is to get to a, a million listeners at some point, that's your goal. Maybe that's your goal by 2022 or whatever, right? Hopefully you get there at some point soon. But if that's your goal, then you got to ask each of your people, what should they be doing? Not tell them, but ask them, what should they be doing for given in their role to move their dial forward on towards that goal, right? Some of it could be, you know, making this list that you're making about top startups, you know, trying to get it on different blogs and maybe get, you know, people like me who will spread the word and things like that, right? So you have different sub goals. Are they different? Well, it is not fundamentally different because you're really moving it together together towards that goal. So now you're all aligned and that's really fundamental to how people feel connected because they feel they have a purpose. Now, if you didn't have that and you say, hey, I want you to go and uh, see if you can find five people to bring in for interview tomorrow. And I, I don't want these five. I want these kind of five. And then you go back and forth and they don't understand why you're doing all of that. So that's where the disengagement or if you're changing your mind too often and you don't know really what's the ultimate purpose, uh, 
then you have challenges, you know, which, so then they lose interest in, you know, what they're working on. Well, and, and people can't help if you don't tell them the problem that needs to be solved. Right. And that's where their, you know, uh, creativity and inventiveness can help solve these problems too. And I think in so often in a company, they, you set a goal, but then you don't really align everybody to the goal very well to, to the parts that they can contribute, you know, and they, like you said, they don't understand what they're doing or why they're doing it. Exactly, exactly. And then you have basically, you know, your horse carriage with the horses pulling in different directions and you don't get the optimum outcome for that, for that uh, vehicle. Yeah. I, I think that purpose driven thing is really important. And, you know, there's a lot of facts and information to support that employees that feel that they're in a purpose driven role. Like we don't want to just show up and feel like robots or cogs in a machine like that. What we're doing is it matters at full scale. And once again, today's episode is brought to you by fullscale.io. You know, we 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 use the phrase uh, client obsessed and being obsessed with our client success. And, you know, for the because our we deal, deal with remote developers. So they're in the Philippines they're on the other side of the world. They don't get to be in the office and like celebrate the wins and some of that the same way that our clients might locally. So, you know, we want but but they're a crucial and important part of the client's success. So that feeling and that doesn't mean like drive yourself crazy and be uh, so obsessed that you're not happy when it comes to things is about knowing like what you're doing is important. And there's a lot of really a lot of facts. I think, you know, originally heard that in a study from Gartner about just basic employee happiness and satisfaction. And like both of you guys have said, like understanding what are the goals? How are we winning? What do I need to do to be a part of this team and feeling like they're moving forward and, and maybe having a better understanding of that more than one day a year. Yes. Yes. And, and a lot of companies make the mistake of using monetary rewards as a way to incentivize and engage people because research after research has shown the effect is temporary and it's ephemeral. So you don't really have a lasting effect of that on, on that. And it's more expensive in the long run anyway. Um, so you really want to really engage people in different ways um, like what we've been talking about. So what, what are, you know, obviously a lot of people think bonus or monetary, which can be subjective to a million different things. What are some things that are, what are some alternate options there that have proven to be effective? You know, I think the best thing, and I talk about this, so I actually wrote an article on Forbes, uh, which you can uh, Google and find out, uh, where I came, up with, I came up with this model. And I don't, I'm not saying I invented this model, but that's the model I presented in the article. I call it the Ikigai approach and the ikigai is based on this phenomenon in okinawa where people find their ikigai and it helps them live more fulfilled longer lives and okinawa uh, island in japan is is one of the you know blue spots where people live routinely live up to 100 um so I'm, i was thinking about how do i bring that to the organization what do we need what do we mean by that is giving people the work that they love doing giving people work that they are good at, I think is key. And then the organization's goal or the management's goal should be making sure that they align to what the management and the organization wants and finds value in. So when all three of those pieces are aligned, I think that's a great incentive for employees to feel connected. They feel like they have a purpose. They actually enjoy their work. They actually, and they're learning and growing. I think that's critical. 
so that's one aspect of it. I think that's that's actually almost core. If you don't do that, you know, you can put somebody in a role that they hate. I don't care how much you pay them. At some point, they're going to quit, quit. Yeah, and you're not going to get the best performance, right? Yeah. Uh, so this, the second other parts of things that are making sure the visibility and transparency so they feel like they have a purpose, they're, they're moving the ball forward. Uh, the one thing that I think companies and people overlook because people get so busy is they don't recognize people uh, when they see somebody going the distance, right? They think somebody going out of their way to take uh, quote unquote extreme ownership um, and delivering on the promise. And they're like, okay, so I, you know, you need to really bring it out and celebrate that and recognize that person when they do that, because it, it reinforces that behavior that actually has a very strong, uh, you know, effect on the employee's morale and their performance and their happiness, which uh, ultimately is going to, you know, make them feel more, uh, you know, connected. So that those are some other things I can think of, you know, that we've been talking about. Uh, giving constructive feedback is obviously helpful because that's how they grow. Now, how you deliver feedback is obviously a, a learned skill and an art, um, you know, instead of being finger pointing, focusing on the object instead of focusing on the subject. So that's very important, object versus subject and how you give feedback. Um, so you're not focusing on the individual, you're focusing on the work and how you can do that better. So those are some of the aspects that you really can use to you know, motivate and engage people. I mean, there's a certain amount of monetary aspect you know, is involved because without that, there's, you know, people may not even come to work, right? Except, except the entrepreneurs, <laughs> we keep doing that. Matt, Matt, what have you had success with over the years or even something that you've tried and didn't work when it came to engaging employees or like trying to rally them together? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, one of the things we started doing about a year ago was actually using a tool like Engagedly um, to do OKRs, which are like company goals and employee-specific goals, and doing um, performance reviews, like one-on-ones, um, you know, asking employees how are they doing, trying to get a sense of their mental state. Um, and so we actually have used some uh, some tools like that that have been very helpful. Um, and I kind of feel like now that a lot of us are working remotely, that those tools could be even more valuable. And so Shri, I'm kind of, I'm kind of curious how the pandemic has impacted your guys's, your guys's business from that perspective. Um, you know, it has impacted us slightly, but we are still growing. We are just not growing as fast. Um, now oh, it actually slowed you down. It slowed down us a little bit because I think people were first trying to solve the infrastructure problems. Because a lot of the people we were talking to, they like struggling to figure out how do you give them the equipment that they need to be successful when they work remotely. So they were not set up for remote work at all. They didn't have the right security infrastructure, the right access, right? You know, they were didn't probably have laptops. You know, so a lot of people like, okay, I guess I guess you need laptops, and I need everything set up. So that was the first month to six weeks of of where the focus of the organizations were. And then we saw that shift in the last month where we started growing back to the pace we were growing at. So for, for about six to eight weeks, we got affected, uh, but we are back to the same pre-COVID levels in terms of growth. Um, and I'm seeing even more, uh, like for example, in the last week alone, uh, our web traffic went up by 40% uh, over the last, you know, the prior weeks, 
before that. So I'm seeing a lot more uh, interest in this area now. And it's, it's, it's going to be even more important as you're talking about, right? You don't have a, a place to huddle around and, and walk by and give uh, you know, feedback and have some in, you know, insightful discussions anymore. You really need a platform like ours to be able to uh, connect and be able to manage uh, your, um, your organizational objectives as a virtual team. Did you have another comment, Matt? Because you sure look like you have one. Well, I was wondering, did, did we release that top list of uh, startups in St. Louis yet? Yeah. So I got to think that 40% uptick is all from that. Ah. The fact that they were on the list. <laughs> I think clearly that we we had a big, big part of that. Big portion, yeah. Yeah, that, that website that traffic, I think that's all us. Yeah, I didn't connect the dots, but maybe they. Yeah. <laughs> Considering that when when before we hit the record button, you weren't aware that you were on the list. I think that's just the second pleasant surprise of this episode. You know, I I had something I wanted to add when it came to employees, and it I, it really supports Shree's comments. Um, aligning people with things that they're passionate about and interested in is crucial, and. You know, it, it, and that's something that we've we've tried to really pay a lot of attention to at full scale because and it's hard and it's hard sometimes because and we solved it pretty easily. We just literally started asking everyone, what are you passionate about? Right. And have some of those in notes and profiles. And we're trying to align the, those people because someone that's passionate about whatever it is that they do, and it could be as general as like, hey, I'm passionate about marketing, or it could be as specific as I'm passionate about PHP programming. But if you get people around things that they're passionate about, it doesn't feel as much like work. And that whole that whole process of feeling like they're growing and that they're learning and that they are self-actualizing and becoming the, you know, getting the most out of themselves that they can is really key. And that's, you know, just basic some, some basic psychologic principle psychological principles coupled with firsthand experience I've had with our employees. And, you know, we, we ask people as we hire them and bring them in and we've hired 200 people in two years. So I've seen a lot of this firsthand. Why are you quitting your job and coming to work with us? Cause you, cause you're a growing company. You work with great clients. I, I, they feel like their career is stagnated. And then in some companies, you know, you just get to a certain point and that's just it you know, that's just where you're at. And you can't, it doesn't mean that it's a bad company, but it's kind of a, you know, a sense of like, like that stagnation and that none of that stuff goes really well. So that we've actually prior to hiring someone, we ask them a lot of questions and try to understand even things like how, like does, so we have a a team of technical interviewers and we don't just look at like someone's technical skills. We also look at their personality traits and attitude is a big one uh-huh. in there. So my question for you is, do, is that something that you can measure on an ongoing basis? Because people that have a great attitude, I mean, let's be realistic, like they're better to be around. No one wants to be around the person that's negative and toxic and stuff like that. But is, is that something that a platform like yours can measure and attempt to improve? Well, <clears throat> well, you can, you can, Take surveys on our platform of your employees. Now, that being saying, that being said, the surveys are only telling you what they want you to know, even if they're anonymous. It's not reality. It's it's what they think is real. 
but that's our reality. The reality, well, but, that, but that's their reality, though. That's their reality. I mean, if, if someone thinks you're an asshole, at least on some level, you are. Maybe in that person's world, and 99% of everyone else can feel that you're not, but in that person's reality, you are. I mean, that's so... Right, but it, here's the thing, right? If, this, if, if you ask them, are you excited to come to work every day? Mm -hmm. And they say yes. Now, and then you're like, I, I don't see any excitement from this, this person. You know, he doesn't show up in half my conference calls. Uh, his work is always late. Uh, when I send him an email to ask about what's going on, I don't get a response for two days. You know, things like that. Then you're like, wonder. So that's what I'm saying. You could, you could get a response, but that does not mean that's actually real. So that's one way to start, but that's just a starting point. Uh, what we really like doing and I recommend doing is, is a 360 feedback. Uh, and make that transparent, too, in, to the extent possible, where you get each individual to get feedback from multiple people on a basically like a survey, and we have a tool to do that uh, at Engagedly. So that is needs to be used for... Now, the, now the, the caveat there is you cannot use that to to evaluate an employee and, and fire them, right? It is really meant to develop that employee or develop that person. So if you get the feedback and say, hey, here's what you think about yourself, but here's what really the world around you thinks of you or your work. So let's talk about how we can bridge that gap, right? I think those are some of the things that you can use to, to really measure uh, somebody's engagement levels, their motivation, their behavior, their culture fit, you know, things of this nature. Well, now, and that can change, right? People can change over time, and that can change because they're working in an environment where they're not connected anymore. So if you want to do that every year uh, or whatever the time frame that you feel is conducive to your organization, you can get a sense of, okay, where do I need to put my effort in, in developing people? Well, and that's the hardest thing as a manager is understanding all the employees you have and what's important to them. So for example, right now with with coronavirus, some of our employees are just terrified by all of it. Like they don't want to leave their house. Like they're like scared of everything. Right. And they're like very emotional and impacts their, their work and all this stuff. Right. And a lot of them just need like a little pep talk every week to say the world's going to be okay. You know? Mm -hmm. and, then, and then we have other people that think the whole thing is a conspiracy and it's a made up farce, right? You got people on the other side of the spectrum and then a lot of people Hopefully in the middle, don't have somewhere. Too many of those. right? Yeah. And, yeah. you know, same thing with what's going on with, you know, the, the Black Lives Matter stuff that's going on right now. We've, we've got some employees that are, like, really care about that. Like, they're asking management, you know, when are we going to make some cultural statement about this? Yeah. And they're, you yeah. know, they're, like, deeply emotionally impacted by these things. And then we have other employees that didn't even know what's going on on TV, probably. And, I mean, that's the hard thing about management is just understanding the people you have and that they're human. They're human. And so much about... Uh, management is communication. And the really hard part about it is, as a manager, is all that communication has to be like very purposeful and structured. Like it requires a lot of work. You know, it just, it, does. it doesn't just it does. happen by itself. Like you have to, you know, it's like at full scale, like having a structured monthly meeting or weekly meeting, like it takes time to plan those things and do them but they're really important and they provide benefit and they're helpful. Right. But you have to take the time to actually make them happen and actually do them. And that that's the struggle as a, as a manager and entrepreneur is, is taking time to plan the work and, and have those sort of meetings and stuff instead of just doing work. 
you know? Yeah. And that's yeah, the, the, other, the hard part. The one thing I would add to that is, apart from those structured meetings, is having an, having an environment where people feel comfortable sharing their feedback to you. So it's not just about communicating from the management down, but having your receptors available to receive uh, feedback, good and bad, right? They don't want to feel like, hey, if I say this, I don't know how my manager will feel or think of, they, do they get, will they get defensive or will it affect my career prospects or the projects I might work on? You know, that's the environment that you really want to not have. Um, it's, it's, if that's how somebody is feeling, you can acknowledge that. Okay, that's how you're feeling. You know, I, I'll acknowledge that. Now, whether you agree with that or not is, is secondary. But the first step is to acknowledge that and respect that and then work from there. So once again with us today, we've got Sri Chalapa, the co-founder, president of Engagedly. Go to engagedly.com if you want to learn more about what they do. There's a link in the show notes. Um, stuff like this is is really becoming popular. And, um, and I'm curious with the growth of HR technology and employee engagement tools and stuff like that, what are you and your team doing to differentiate yourself between uh, what I'm assuming is a rapidly growing number of competitors? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it is certainly very competitive. I think the question uh, I ask myself is, are we enabling the employee, the people to be successful in their work and find fulfillment at their work so that ultimately the organization is successful? So we are looking at building tools and our messaging and our philosophy really around the employee enablement, right? And to that extent, you know, there are competitors who are focusing purely on the performance aspect of it. There are companies and products focusing purely on the recognition and rewards aspect of it. There are organizations are focusing only on the learning and development employee aspect of it. We've taken a little bit more of a broader approach. And like all of them are important. Um, and if you want to have an organization that's big enough, maybe you can afford and pay for and integrate all these different systems that ultimately is about enabling that person to be more successful in their role, or we can provide this platform that is really taking a more holistic approach that ties all these things together so that uh, the organization can really have a unified approach to uh, en enabling their uh, people to be successful. I think that's our differentiator, to be honest. Uh, so we are not addressing a performance review problem. We're not addressing a recognition problem or a feedback problem. We're really addressing the people enablement problem. So one fact that is universally agreed upon on Startup Hustle is that startups and entrepreneurship are hard. And yes. with that, uh, you know, none of our startups came with an owner's manual. Um, that's just kind of the way it works. You got to figure a lot of stuff out. You got to do a lot of planning, a lot of pivoting, a lot of changing, a lot. You got to demonstrate agility. I would, do you have a, any story that you can share with us about something that you may have planned or thought that was going to be easy, that was exactly the opposite or like you shot and you were so far off from center that you can look back at it now and go, wow. How do we think that was going to work or just some, 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 any, any lesson from your experience that you'd be willing to share? Well, um, so Engagedly's original premise was to build a social platform. That's how the genesis was. We wanted to build a, basically a social Facebook style platform essentially, but, but a little bit different. Um, 
for organizations so that you can form communities within organization. Uh, what I quickly learned, I didn't, actually I shouldn't say quickly because I was pretty frustrated for like months. And, and when we started off in 2015, we didn't get a single client for six months. And basically I was like, what the hell am I doing here? And I realized people, and I was getting a lot of calls and we were talking to a lot of people. And I realized organizations don't put much value in that to pay for it because it is not solving one of their checklist problems as an HR. There is no checklist problem that says I need to build a social platform for my employees. I have not seen one yet. Now, some organizations do have that somewhere, you know, they only have, or we have SharePoint or we have email or we have, uh, you know, Yammer or Slack now. Uh, and then Slack was getting popular too. So that was a big miss, but we, but we turned that into a, a positive by focusing on one of the checklist problems that they did have, which is having an automated platform for doing performance management. So that's where the pivot came for us. And it took us six, seven months after enough conversations, you know, hundreds of conversations actually with people managers. And I don't come from an HR background, so uh, it was a lot of learning for me as well. And we realized, you know, performance management is one problem that they do have a budget line item for that they can pay for, but we can differentiate in the market by taking a more employee-centric, community-centric, continuous uh, communication-oriented approach to performance management. So that was a big miss, but we recovered from that. But not only did we recover from that, we actually thrive on it because we use that as a as really a, a differentiating uh, approach. Did did that process and going through that do anything to change or transform you as a leader or a professional or a person? You know, I think one thing I will say that so we are three partners. Uh, my my partner, uh, the other partner is in India, and and. I think what was interesting is that there was a lot of trust, right? Because I'm the one talking to the customers. I'm feeling the market out. I'm seeing what's happening. And I'm still questioning, you know, whether this is making sense or not. And making this big bet on building a performance management, a robust performance management versus continue to invest in the engagement, you know, social tools and become like the best social tool for organization. That was a big decision for us to make because it could have broken our company, you know, or I wouldn't be here. And I think my partner trusted my judgment on that. And even though I wasn't 100% sure, I was like, we got to make a bet because, you know, the bridge is burning. There's no, there's no clients. We got to do one or the other. We can't just be sitting in the, on the, on the fence on this. And I think that was one of the learning experiences is you got to work with people and your and partners. And fortunately, I, I will say that's the case here who can trust each other's judgment and, and are willing to accept failures and be able to learn from that and move on. Um, and then I think the other thing that I've, I've learned along the way is to really listen to the market. You might have a very really strong conviction on one thing, but if there doesn't, the market's just saying no to that, just you got to listen to that. You can't be like, oh, the market is wrong. I will find my market. I'll keep at it. I'll keep at it. You got to know when to fold your cards and say, okay, I'm going to shuffle my deck again and, and, and redeal. And yeah, I think I, that's, that's I, a, I, it's a very humbling experience for a lot of people uh, to quit, but you got to know when to quit. Um, I didn't have to quit per se, quote unquote, in this case, but, uh, but, but, but even a pivot is, is a form of, you know, quitting one strategy in favor of the other. 
fam- famous last words are usually like you had mentioned, like the market's wrong. It's not, it's not me. This will come back around. Trust me. I'm right. Everyone else is wrong. Those are the kind of, those are the kind of things that I think people say on their way to the poorhouse. So once again, with us today, Sri Chalapa, the co-founder and president of Gagedly. If you want to learn more about what they do, we put a note, uh, no, a link in the show notes. Now we end episodes of Startup Hustle with what we call the Founders Freestyle. Shri, you'll go first. We'll pass the mic around and we're going to basically all do a little bit to add any comments or value related to today's episode or anything else that you'd like to add. Oh, you want to start with me? Yes, sir. You're first. Well, I think the uh, a value I'd like to add I guess the one one thing I can say as an entrepreneur is really listening to the market and let the market, when I say the market, the data, that's information coming to you, whether it's in terms of number of deals you're getting, the kind of conversations you're having, the 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 need behind the need when a, when a client or a prospect says, truly understanding that and not let your bias and judgment clouded is extremely critical to being being successful I, I don't i think a lot of people fail because they are biased in a certain way and they don't even know it because they're not letting data and their information external information guide their decisions uh, i think that's one of the reasons why a lot of startups fail because they're so convinced their idea is good that they just uh, you know keep at it for years so that's i would say the biggest uh statement i can make in in what really you should be looking at to be successful and be willing to change. Mr. Watson, you know, as a, uh, entrepreneur and a founder, a lot of times we bet the farm though, and we don't know how to say, take no for an answer. <laughs> That's the challenge, right? Is you, you gotta be crazy enough to do something that nobody, uh, nobody quite understands, but not so crazy that, uh, you don't know when to stop. So there, there's a, a big gray area somewhere, somewhere there, and I can definitely relate to it. And, um, you know, at, at Stackify, we we have one product that we built that we have a lot of customers on. And we, we have this other thing that a lot of people seem to request and demand that has been the uh, kind of rotten stepchild for a long time. And we're actually putting a lot of effort in right now to make that rotten stepchild maybe be uh, one of our biggest products. So, yes, you know, we're going through that lesson right now, maybe ourselves. We'll see. We're going to see what happens in a few months after we listen to the market a little more. But I can definitely relate to exactly what you're saying. Yeah, I think, you know, overall, when it comes to so much of this stuff, you know, we're looking at a long path ahead of us before office life resumes if it's ever even the same again and i think that anybody that's listening that's has a distributed workforce especially needs to be looking at tools like engagedly and other things to really kind of keep your finger on the pulse of what's going on in your organization the more employees you have and the faster you grow the harder that gets to do like i can confirm that is true and when you have people and then we also have people you mentioned earlier like the cultural fit in the company and you mentioned your business partners in India. We have employees in the Philippines. Those are different cultures too, different kind of cultures. So being able to communicate and understand each other. And it's, you know, if I'm in an office with someone and I I can tell if they're down or maybe not themselves or whatever, that's a lot harder to do in a remote environment. So some of the tools that can, you know, look, if 
there's a I've seen some popular uh, or some interesting you know memes or whatever. It says what what uh, what if we invest in our employees and then they leave and then the CEO says, well, what if we don't and they stay? And, right. you know, that's like really important stuff. And if you're not investing in the growth of your own people, then either you're not a progressive and forward thinking organization, or you may have hired the wrong people, or you're not a great leader, but you got to keep things growing. And if you can do that in a, in a fast and efficient way where people feel confident that their information and their feedback isn't blowing up their future, you're in a good spot. So, you know, I thought, I think that it's really important for the modern founder and entrepreneur to use modern tools and these kind of things. They're affordable, they're accessible and they're reliable. So, um, get out there and try something. Well, Shri, I want, I want to thank you for spending some time with us. Congratulations again on all the success you're having in St. Louis and making that list. Thank you. Uh, I uh, really do appreciate the time. And for those of you listening, I, I didn't get a chance to give my feedback about Matt Watson. So I'm going to go sign up for Engagedly and do it that <laughs> way. So I got to go, guys. I'll see you next time. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Thank Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time.